Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect podcast on another beautiful day that the Lord has made. Quote, if you truly want to help the soul of your neighbor, you should approach God first with all your heart. Ask him simply to fill you with charity, the greatest of all virtues. With it, you can accomplish what you desire. End quote from the great St. Vincent Ferrer, and he will be the subject of our podcast episode today with a guest that we have from a long way from Canada, a long ways from Alberta, I'll tell you that, the opposite end of the globe, Dr. Robert Haddad, and he's all the way from Australia, from Sydney, Australia. And uh, the great thing is it just shows the universality of our church. You're going to love this conversation with Dr. Robert. Uh, Such great insights. We talk about the life of St. Vincent Ferrer and also about, uh, well, the effects of Marxism and secularism on our culture, how we can evangelize in today's world and learn a lot of valuable lessons from the saint, and they also call the saint the angel of the apocalypse. He's such an interesting saint, and I uh, really want to bring some attention to his life because he is such a great example of holiness and evangelization. We need that example today. We're 50 episodes now deep, over 50 episodes deep into this podcast now, and I just want to say thank you so much for all your support and your uh, feedback and communication so many of you I've met from all around the world. When I originally started doing this podcast, I thought, oh, maybe it'd be some people out of Alberta, the province that I'm from, from Canada. But I've met so many of you virtually and over the phone and email from all over Canada and all over the world. It's been a blessing. So thanks so much for listening to this podcast. And I look forward to sharing more content with you, more great conversations, uh, conversations of consequence and subjects that are of interest to you today in this world, this uh, bizarre and crazy world without God, really a postmodern Christian, a post-Christian world that we live in. And um, it seems to be getting worse by the day. And you know why? It's because the answer is Jesus Christ. And our mission as Christians and people of goodwill is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. And I'm telling you right now, there is no medicine, no poke, no jab. That's going to give you immortality. But I'll tell you one thing that the Catholic Church does have. Our church has, and he lives in every single one of the tabernacles of all of our churches, and that is body, blood, soul, and divinity, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ. We have that to offer. And it says in John 6, that unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And it's one of my favorite passages of all time. I've talked about it on the podcast before that that chapter, that particular passage from scripture changed my life and it can change yours as well because participating in the Eucharist in the sacramental life of this church the bride the church uh, and the groom Jesus Christ this is what's going to give you eternal life you will live forever and it's an exciting time to be alive and it's an exciting time to be a witness so without further ado let's talk to our new friend from Australia Dr. Robert Haddad and we're going to talk about St. Vincent Ferrer, a great example of evangelization. We'll see you on the other side, my friends. My name is Christopher. Uh, you're listening to the Catholic Podcast with my dad. Well, praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. We're so blessed to welcome the following guest to our podcast today. He's a Catholic teacher, apologist, an evangelist who holds firmly to all the truths of the Catholic faith and wishes all to come to know, love, and live the Catholic faith. 
and he promotes the Catholic faith through his lectures, parish talks, public speaking tours, videos, and published works, uh, the most famous of which being Defend the Faith and A Thousand and One Reasons Why It's Great to Be Catholic. He also holds nine university qualifications in various areas, including his doctorate in philosophy. But most importantly, he's a family man, and he is our brother in Christ. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Robert Haddad to the Catholic Connect podcast. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Oh, thanks very much, David. I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, I take all invitations uh, seriously, and it's a great honor to be invited to be on your podcast. Yes, thank you. And there's a great distance between us. You're in Australia, and I'm in That's Canada, true. but uh, the universality of our, our church uh, has brought us together, which I think is uh, just uh, so great and outstanding. So, uh, you know, before we, we talk about the, uh, the subject that I wanted to tackle with you, and that is... Uh, the forgotten, one of the great saints in our church, right, Robert? Uh, St. Vincent Ferrer. Uh, mm. I, I want to ask you, you live in Australia. Mm. We're seeing a lot of uh, some uh, absolutely crazy footage on, on TV and the media up here in Canada with all these lockdowns. Uh, how is the church faring through uh, truly challenging times in our world right now? Well, it's mixed. Um, we've just come out of a, a four-month lockdown in Sydney. We weren't so affected last year by lockdowns. Melbourne has been much more affected. Melbourne's the other great big city in Australia to the south of us. Melbourne is the most locked down city in the world, not just Australia. Uh, and it hasn't really worked as well as they like. Uh, the numbers of new cases every day are still roughly between 1,500 and 2,000 in that in that in the state of Victoria. We're much better now. We're less than 300 new cases a day. But the churches, the churches were closed down. A lot of people were very angry. The, the, the respective state governments didn't seem to really give priority. They didn't see uh, places of worship as essential. Um, uh, the bishops and the archbishops, and we got a lot of good ones here in Australia, they just felt compelled to comply with the government re requirements because, you know, it would have been um, an outrage in public opinion if they went contrary to the, the, the health orders that the state governments were imposing. Myself, personally, I found it difficult. I'm a daily mass communicant, uh, Holy Communion every day. Um, so I was... I was running the risk of missing communion months on end, but I, I have a particular parish and priests in that parish were very considerate of their uh, congregations. And so I would still, I still got communion roughly 75% of the time, one way or another on a daily basis, which was technically illegal, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, but now we're basically back to normal again. And the bishops made it very clear that they will not open churches just to vaccinated people. They actually waited a week longer so that the churches would open at the same time for all people vaccinated and unvaccinated. I think that's the scariest thing that we're dealing with in Canada right now. We've had rumors and then uh, we've actually had a diocese recently that says you have to have the the, the job, the double job to, in order to actually go to mass uh, that's scary to me, Robert. I, I, I just, um, boy, there's so many places to go. That probably a separate podcast ourselves, but we, we certainly need to pray for for fervor and vigor in our faith, and and not be afraid to to tell the good news of both the gospel and and our Eucharistic Lord, right, Robert? I mean, yeah. the body, blood, soul, and divinity. And I think we've had an opportunity missed 
but our, mm. our Lord is so merciful if, if we can, you know, pull together in prayer and, uh, uh, you know, we can still turn this thing around. I think I still have uh, so much hope. So uh, I'm glad that things are kind of coming back around in Australia. Yeah. Let's continue to pray for each other. Uh, all Catholics around the world for, for freedom and liberty, particularly to uh, partake in the sacraments. And we want to talk about a saint, and I'm sure it's going to come up of what, what our state of our church and our world is today and what kind of lessons we can learn from St. Vincent Fair. And um, I had heard about him. I kind of stumbled upon him. Uh, by accident, and it was it was kind of strange to well, not strange in a bad way, but in a, actually kind of a funny way. Um, Doctor Robert, I've stumbled upon one of your talks on YouTube, just an outstanding talk on Saint Vincent Ferrer when I was doing some research into his life. And you mentioned in that talk, and I'm going to post that in the notes for people to go and refer back to uh, your talk on um, online. But uh, you mentioned a book that I had also, that was sort of my first um, exposure to St. Vincent Fair, And that was, uh, I believe it's called Raised from the Dead. It was a tan book, uh, fascinating great. book. It's an old book, right, Robert? It's, it's <laughs> been around for a long time, but it's timeless. You can get into those mm-hmm. stories and it's, it's outstanding. So um, before we get into St. Vincent Fair, you've been in evangelization and apologetics in Australia for a long time. So what kind of got you uh, interested in doing that and, and, and spreading the, yeah. the gospel in that way, Robert? Well, basically, I can give a starting date around the late 70s, 1979, when I was a teenager. And Billy Graham, you, in the North America, everyone knows who Billy Graham is. Yes. He came to Australia in 1979. Okay. He came in 56, he came again in 68, and he came in 79. And I was invited by a Baptist friend of mine to attend one of his great gatherings at a massive race course here in Sydney. Um, Now, I was in a public school. I never had Catholic education. I was in a state school. And so, look, I had basically some belief in Jesus, a Maronite Catholic background, you know, faith was respected and practiced, but piecemeal. And and I thought, look, if this man is coming from America to, to talk about Jesus, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll go listen to him. So I got... I went down that night. It was May 1979. I did the altar call. I gave myself to Jesus Christ. It was a serious thing I did. I really believed in what I was doing. And it was it was a very important day in my life, the next step up in my faith. And then I began to have more frequent um, attendances at um, Bible study in my public school. But they were all run by evangelicals. Um, Protestants of different various uh, denominations, not much by way of Catholic content at all in my upbringing. But among my Baptist friends, and we used to, I used to belong to a church cricket team, the Punchbowl Baptist cricket team, you know, anti-Catholicism was, you know, was just normative. It was just part of the conversation. And I was a Catholic, and my friends in that team would have dearly wanted me to become Catholic. So sometimes I'll push a push the envelope a little bit, you know, why do Catholics worship the Pope or worship bread or worship statues or worship Mary, worship anything or anyone except God. So I began to get worried about my Catholic faith, whether it was true or not. And I just wanted answers. I was never tempted to become any type of Protestant. I was actually resistant, but I wanted good solid reasons why the Catholic faith was true. Was it scriptural? Was it historic? Um, was it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the breakthrough for me came in the um, mid-80s, around 86. I stumbled across an old book of a 
belonging to a friend of mine in his house. It was a book written in the late 19th century called The Question Box by Father Conway. Um, would, would have been written in the 1890s. And this, this, my friend had an original copy from that time. So it was actually falling apart. I decided to take it home and I read it in two days. It was, over four, it was nearly 450 pages. And it just answered every question, every doubt I ever had. And based on the, and he, this priest grounded the Catholic faith in scripture and also in church fathers. I discovered the church fathers through that book. And then I became very convicted in the truths of Catholicism. And from I've never really looked back, though I have developed my apologetical style accordingly over the decades. Well, that's so good. And, you know, a lot of... Uh... Uh, you know, uh, Protestants or, uh, you know, non-denominational, you know, they refer to themselves as Christians. Even in my youth as well, Robert, they were, the, the challenge actually was a blessing because it did get me to go into books, good Catholic books. We, we mentioned Catholic Answers offline and uh, their presence in Australia uh, on in more, uh, I guess, normal times. But uh, all these things really helped me. And, and when I found that I could get the answers and I could provide a charitable answer back to anyone who challenged, uh, it was such a blessing because I knew I'm in the right place. The Lord has me in the right place. And it was probably maybe the same for you too, Robert, when you when you start to share your faith and people are like, well, that's interesting. It's a different perspective. You know, I'm glad you answered this question. They may still have some other uh, you know arguments or other points to make. But um, I think when you start getting onto uh, not offense in an offensive way, but when you actually say, well, you know, how about John 6? You know, this is the, re you know, you think that we worship uh uh, like you said, bread or something like that. Like, what what does the Eucharist mean? And when you can bring forth Scripture and tie in their Catholic faith with it, and say, you know, can you explain John six to me, for example? And then when they when you see people look at you with you know shock and say, I never even looked at that before, then you know, hey, this is this is something that's worth sharing with others, right? And well, that's mm -hmm. so great. And thanks for what you're doing in Australia. Like I said, I'm just so happy that we got to uh, to connect here and uh, and uh, talk about uh, our faith. And uh, so St. Vincent Ferrer, um, like I said, I kind of stumbled upon him. What was your experience like? Because we're going to share a little bit about his life, and, and I know you've done a ton of research on his life and his ministry, but uh, how did you sort of come across this uh, this amazing saint from so many years ago? When I had my Catholic conversion, if you want to put it that way, for me, the lives of the saints were very important uh, for my own personal spirituality, uh, but also because... Uh, the saints were, I, I saw a lot of bad Catholics around me and I wanted to find where were the good Catholics, where are the great Catholics. So that's why I began to do a lot of reading about saints. Then eventually I changed careers. I moved from law and I moved to education and I began to be uh, teaching in a Catholic school, an independent Catholic school where I had the freedom to basically teach what I wanted. So it was a dream come true type of, uh, you know, mission and and I wanted to teach the students a lot about the lives of the saints so I wanted saints who were spectacular who would be impressive as they all are but in different ways so I came across St Vincent Ferret through this book Raised from the Dead by this Maris priest I forget his name off the top of my head and there was a section there about St Vincent Ferret because he purportedly according to the records of the time raised 28 people from the dead during his missionary work. And I thought, well, this is a great saint that I wanna teach about. So in this course on saints, one of those standout saints was St. Vincent Ferrer. Um, 
And so uh, that's where it began. And he's always had that great impression upon me. Uh, now, Mar I mean, my, my faith, I'm a Maronite Catholic background, and I'm proud of that. But I've got a lot of, uh, you know, associations and, and friends and worship within the Roman Church. And I am a third order Dominican layperson, which is why I've got the Dominican cross here. And, you know, yeah, and St. Vincent Ferrer, of course, is a Dominican. And, but as a Dominican, he's not that well known. We all know about St. Dominic, and we all know about St. Thomas Aquinas, and we all know about St. Catherine of Siena. But when it comes to stellar Dominicans, St. Vincent Ferrer is well known among people who have got some connections with the Dominican orders or Third Right Dominicans. But the average Catholic out there doesn't know enough about this great saint and what a powerful figure he was in the late 15th century, oh sorry, yeah, 14th century, late 14th century and early 15th century, the impact he had on Europe as a whole and uh, through his preaching, a magnificent, incredible preaching. And you know, uh, uh, Robert, when you go into rank and file, at least here in Canada, almost every diocese have a, has a St. Vincent Parish or, mm. uh, you know, or, or some some sort of a reference to to the the same, but a lot of people don't know even the last name, right? So they won't even they they don't know it's Saint Vincent, you know, just like Saint Joseph or or whoever, right? It's there's not that well, uh, that particular sort of connection, unfortunately, right? But well, if you say Saint Vincent in Sydney, most people would think Saint Vincent de Paul. Right there, you go. Good and nothing yes. wrong with that. No, nothing not wrong with that. He's a great saint too, and we got a Saint Vincent de Paul Society quite a large one operating here in different cities in Australia, but St. Vincent Ferrer in the English speaking world. No. Yeah. Not yeah. Well. yeah. It's, it's interesting. Right. And you're right. There are some, there not, he's not the only St. Vincent out there, but there are a lot that are named after St. Vincent Ferrer, but nobody ever bothers to find out who, what the difference is. Right. Now I'm glad you brought up the Domin I didn't know that you're, you belong to the, the third order Dominican Robert, which is a, I think a good tie into how, St. Vincent's life started because uh, even before he was born, when he was still in his mother's womb, there was a really cool connection to uh, the Dominican order. Maybe you can share uh, uh, that uh, those beginnings of St. Vincent with his uh, his parents. St. Vincent, um, there was, I think even when the mother was carrying the child before he was born, and she would hear uh, the sound of like a dog barking and this seems very strange, but what and how does this connect to Dominicans? Because um, Dominicans are known as the dogs of the Lord, Dominicanes, yes. the dogs of the Lord, because the, the Dominicans would be great apologists in their own right, as well as preachers. They were preachers, but also apologists. And and so this, this type of... Um, mysterious noise was to denote that your child is going to be a great Dominican one day. And the barking is, is the sign of the fact indicated that he was going to be a great preacher and that his preaching would be the source of renewal, authentic renewal in the, in among peoples of various nations at that time. Uh, there were other signs as well. Um, but that's the one that I can recall off the top of my head right now. But uh, yeah, the 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 life of St. Vincent um, is sometimes when you read certain aspects about his life, you probably think, is that really, did that really happen? I mean, is that really true? Like when he was, uh, I mean, 58,000 miracles in his um, 
preaching life are attributed to the mission and postulate of St. Vincent Ferrer. And I said in within that, there's 28 um, resurrections from the dead. Um, you know, St. Vincent is sometimes depicted as wearing wings because he was known to have gone from one place to another, actually flying to get from one place to another in his, in his everyday um, journeying from one country to another, one region to another. So, yeah, uh, look, um, yeah, we can ask uh, many questions about St. Vincent, etc. cetera, uh, but he's, um, he transformed Europe in such a way that his preaching legacy would survive well over a century after his death because it was the areas where he was very active in which were most resistant to the Protestantism later on that appeared in the following century. Yeah, absolutely. And you think of, I mean, you know, we have some challenging times in our church right now, uh, you know, right from the top to the bottom, there's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges and some ups and downs. Uh, but boy, during that time of his life, there was certainly uh, you know, good reason for God to send St. Vincent down to, to Europe during that time. There was a lot of upheaval in the church and in the world at that time as well, wasn't there, Robert? Well, yeah, look, the major crisis of that time was the, uh, what's called the Western Schism. We had, preceding that, we had popes living in Avignon, seven popes in Avignon, southeastern France, rather than in Rome. But they are legitimate popes. And that crisis came to an end because of the great work of St. Catherine of Siena. So that ended in 1378, 1380, that period. But what broke out almost immediately was the Western Schism or the Occident Schism. So you had the legitimate pope now back in Rome, but you had anti-popes set up again in the city of Avignon. And this was, Europe was divided uh, uh, by this uh, calamity. St. Vincent himself actually uh, supported the anti-pope, not knowing he was the anti-pope. He, I mean, Europe, different countries were divided. Is, it, is the Bishop of Rome or the Bishop in Avignon the legitimate pope? Genuinely good people couldn't tell in this terrible crisis. It only ended in 1415 at the Council of Constance. And St. Vincent would be alive then, and he actually died in 1419. So um, at one time, St. Vincent supported the, who, the person who was actually the anti-pope, but he was always on the side predominantly of seeking a resolution to this crisis, trying to convince even the person he supported as pope to resign. And then eventually a council would come and all... You know, it reached a point where there was three men claiming to be Pope at the same time, one in Avignon, one in Pisa, one in Rome. And Constance, that council, came, the, the, all those three claimants came to agreement to resign, and then they eventually elected one man to be Pope. But that was the predominant crisis of, of his age. But also, in the beginning of St. Vincent's life was the crisis of the Black Death Plague. Uh, which, I mean, if we think COVID's a problem today, it was nothing in comparison to the Black Death. I can give you figures in England. There were three and a half million people before the Black Death, and after the Black Death came through England, two out of those three and a half million perished. So the population of England dropped to one and a half. This had an enormous impact on society, on culture, on the life of the church. 
And then we had the general decadence beginning in society. Uh, the Renaissance spirit, the Renaissance had many good aspects, but also had many deleterious aspects too. And the rebirth of, of a pagan humanism, of, um, of, of vaunting knowledge of the classics over and above the classical medieval spirituality. And this was impacting on, on culture in, in, by lukewarming the faith among peoples. And St. Vincent combated this essentially in his preaching. And there's some parallels to today, isn't there, Robert? I mean, there's a lot of lukewarmness going on in our church right now. Uh, that's, that's an interesting parallel. Um, I, would say, I would say there, David, that it, it, we got worse than lukewarmness, to be, to be uh, sure. very frank. What was beginning in the time of St. Vincent's age is, ex, has reach, is reaching a crescendo now. When we talk about society and we talk about the decline of Christianity, we talk about, um, or to be frank, if we want to talk about apostasy of the nations, it was slowly beginning in that age. But now we're in the midst of it in a much more intense, um, all-consuming manner. Uh, so I would, if St. Vincent Ferro was among us today, he would not be any, he would be a very busy man, put it that way. The, the denial of the devil uh, or the, the existence of the devil, even the existence of hell, Robert, uh, seems to be creeping more and more into, um, you know, into certain circles of Catholicism, which is not Catholic at all. But uh, St. Vincent was also, I mean, in addition to this, I mean, just think about raising someone from the dead. You know, God giving the, you know, the power of God through St. Vincent's hands to raise people from the dead. But he was also very well known as, um, as an exorcist as well. Right, Robert? Oh, oh, definitely. And I mean, St. Vincent was also, I mean, a person like St. Vincent in, in his mission was doing a lot of damage to the, the devil's agenda in the world. So St. Vincent was also a target of the devil in the sense that he suffered temptations all his life. Uh, you might think, well, how can someone as great as St. Vincent you know, have ordinary temptations like us? Well, he did. Um, and he had a lot of temptations with respect to uh, impure thoughts throughout his life. I remember the one uh, the one story that she is is even just because what a lot of people don't don't realize and they're gonna when they listen to your talk us because it's it's a good one it's one of the fastest one hour talks I've ever heard in my life but yeah. there was kind of a caravan Robert that that followed him around right like there was uh, there was penitents there was like uh, like groupies you know the rock and roll days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right there holy were, groupies oh, let's, let's put it this way the holy groupies now I just look. I just got my memory uh, refreshed here. Yeah, exorcisms were a big part in his mission. There's records of over 70 exorcisms he performed. Now, St. Vincent, when he went from region to region, didn't go by himself. Right. Because he drew enormous crowds. He had a lot of other clerics, priests assist him, both from the Dominican order and others. So, yeah, there'll be... I mean, you, have, you can just imagine the scene, you know, unfortunately today we've got like rock concerts, okay? People go, groups go from city to city. Well, St. Vincent went from town to town, village to village, city to city. And so he had his entourage, right? Who supported him by hearing confessions of penitents, uh, people who were moved by St. Vincent's preaching to repentance. They would hear a lot of confessions. 
then they'll ring the bell of miracles. And uh, that would mean this is the time when St. Vincent would heal people. Mm. Okay, we said 58,000 miracles during his, you know, uh, missionary life. So these were occurring at an instant at the end of every one of his preaching events. Miracles would, you know, people would be lining up to be cured, to be healed, to be exercised, etc. Uh, and yeah, there, there were holy groupies, and that's great. That was a good thing. Uh, we, we should have that today too without stroking people's egos. It's because it's not about St. Vincent. He's just an instrument. He'll be more humble than any of us would be, and he'll acknowledge that he's only he's a missionary on behalf of Jesus Christ, and that it's not bringing people to himself. He's, he's, he's trying to make not himself popular. He's trying to make Jesus Christ popular, and, and there's no doubt that he was... a uh, uh, he was he excelled in that. It was like a parish mission that just kept on going from town to town, right? Kind of like the big tent revival, almost. You know, he just set up shop, and it was it was pretty incredible. And it's just like exorcisms. Exorcisms are not demon centered; they're Christ centered. They all are, and uh, and that was his preaching. But it was also just the reality of the uh, the four last things. That's really what he was preaching about, and he wanted people to know that you. You know, just like any of us in the Catholic Church, we, we don't leave people where they're at. And we certainly don't want to leave them in a state of sin. And that's why, it, you know, it takes a lot of courage for us to to stand up and to, to speak, to be courageous and to speak about what is right and what is virtuous. And that yeah. was really, that was really Vincent's, uh, that was his calling card, right? It was the, the four last things. Well, absolutely. And in this Meeting people where they're at, I hear that all the time. But yeah. St. Vincent Ferrer met people where they're at, but he, he did not leave them where they were. Leave where them. He found That's them. right. Not a chance. He, he preached repentance. Um, we, you know, he preached judgment, absolutely. But he also preached mercy. Um, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with a bit of fire and brimstone. As the psalm says, the, 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 um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And going back to my days when I used to associate with Baptists, there's a lot of fire and brimstone there. And, you know, of course, perfect love drives out all fear. And uh, we want to have a relationship with God and our Lord uh, based on love above all things. But most people need to start with a bit of fear in the belly, fire in the belly. And, you know, I came to a better practice of my Catholic faith through, you know, fear of hell and if uh if i'll be very happy to hear st vincent ferro preach like that today so long as it ends up as he ended up you know um seeking people's repentance being merciful and leading 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 them on now in a life of virtue and holiness and love and charity uh and, you know on the pathway to heaven you recall that um oh my the um this this uh, the amazonian synod robert <laughs> When yeah. they, there was a, a particular fellow that uh, was in that Amazon region that uh, was there for years, Robert. Do you remember this story? It was, he was there for yes. 50 years, yeah. and they said, um, you know, you know, how are things going down there? What, what have you done when you're there? And, and uh, you know, he was just saying how, you know, he's, he's accompanying the locals and, you know, kind of assimilating himself into the cultures and their lifestyle. And then somebody asked, well, how many people have you baptized? And, and Robert, he, he said he baptized nobody. And I was well, that's like, tragic. what is tragic. going on, right? That's tragic. I mean, who's converting who? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, yeah. it's pointless. I mean, St. Vincent Ferrer, and I make this point very strongly when it comes to St. Vincent Ferrer, uh, 
the talk that you you saw in, on my YouTube channel uh, is about what we can learn from him today. Well, he preached conversion to Jesus Christ. He had, did not have this view that there are multiple simultaneous um, legitimate ways to God outside of the Catholic faith. He didn't believe that all religions were equal. He, he didn't believe, I mean, of course he would have believed there are good people, sincere, faithful in their particular religions, but he believed in one God, one Lord Jesus Christ, one faith, the Catholic faith, which was the true faith, and the need to bring people to the fullness of truth and the fullness of the means of salvation, that's conversion to Catholicism, without a false proselytism, which is which is based on pressure and deception, but on, on the truth of Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith. And that included, um, on a large scale, Jews and Muslims uh, within within Europe, particularly in Spain. Um, and we have this terrible hesitancy now or refusal to want to preach in order to bring people to the fullness of truth. That is catastrophic, especially in a time where Catholics are leaving the Catholic Church by the tens of millions. And I know some stats here. We live in an age now, for every person who converts to the Catholic faith, six leave. And there's very little public concern about that. And if St. Vincent Ferrer lived today, he would be very concerned about the fact that we're not preaching conversion to Catholicism, and we don't seem to be overly concerned about the huge numbers of people who are leaving the Catholic faith. I've been to various parts of the world. I've seen it in South America and Central America. I know it's a big problem in the United States. It was a, it's a big problem throughout the world, and it's not just Catholics leaving to Protestantism of one form or another, fundamentalism, evangelicalism, Pentecostalism, whatever, but leaving to other religions and especially to no religion or these Eastern mystical religions. And, uh, yeah, where is the great concern about this today? We've been going through that in North America, uh, Robert. I'm sure you've probably heard about St. Junipero Serra. Uh, you know, a great saint in California, and some some amazing work that he did with with the uh, the local um, you know the the native people at the time, the indigenous people at the time. Up here in Canada, we had the same type of deal that you've probably heard. There were a lot of church burnings up here uh, from uh, residential schools, and I know that uh, residential schools were were far from perfect, but we also had um, you know some great priests that went to extraordinary lengths, Robert, extraordinary lengths to spread the gospel and share the gospel with uh, with genuine charity and genuine virtue and love that uh, you know their names just like saint junipero Serra, are, are in the middle of getting canceled by this this crazy marxist i always say the marxist because that's cancel culture well, is marxist uh, roots right so that, if i could comment there Dave, yeah, I, go I, ahead. I, know, yeah. I know i know only a little bit about saint junipero Serra. Uh, I've watched the movie Seven Cities of Gold a few times, and I know you don't trust Hollywood movies to know the truth, but that movie portrays him very positively. So, I mean, he's a canonized saint, only canonized by by this current pope in 2015. So I would be very interested to know on what grounds is he being cancelled? Because he preached Jesus Christ to the natives of California and brought them to Jesus Christ away from their... Uh, pagan religions which were you know I, I know something about the aztec religions not very healthy religions i know it's politically incorrect to say that 
But these were some of these religions, particularly in Central America, were religions that involved human sacrifice. Uh, I don't see why anyone could defend that. Um, so if you could enlighten me, what is the core issue as to why St. Junipero Serra should be uh, cancelled? Well, and that's that was kind of the question I wanted to to discuss with you, or at least the topic. You know, we hear of colonization, or imperialism, right? Imperialism, Sorry, yes. imperialism, colonization. Uh, you know, these these uh, these terms that are used now to say, well, you know, we look at these guys like Junipero Serra, the people uh, that uh, in Canada that were witnessing to the and bringing the gospel to the to the First Nations people of the north. Are we confusing these terms? Because even Catholics would say that's some some Catholics. I shouldn't say all Catholics. Um, you know, a lot of Catholics can see through the smoke and mirrors of this. But um, are they confusing those terms? You know, these very secular terms that are very anti-Catholic. Robert, are they confusing mm. those terms with evangelization? Yeah, I, I think they're conflating them deliberately. As you said, you use the word Marxism. Really, this is a Marxist onslaught against Christianity in general and Catholicism in particular. So, of course, the evangelization of the age of exploration piggybacked on colonization. I mean, the Spanish and the Portuguese come into the New World, then later the English and the Dutch, etc. Okay, and there were abuses, but we're making the typical error of uh, looking at the abuse and then tarring everyone with the same brush. Abuse doesn't abolish use. Uh, sure, there were probably abuses with these residential schools in Canada. I, I have no doubt about that. I'm not there questioning were. that. Absolutely. And, and there, should be, there should be public apologies and penance done for that. But mm. we don't mm. want, we don't never mention the good, the positive. Uh, you know, some of the, in Australia here, which is also a, a country similar to Canada, having a British empire tradition and history, I mean, we, we treated the local First Nation peoples, the Aborigines here, many occasions terribly, terribly. What the biggest disservice among the fact that uh, in racism and, and, and genocidal activity on occasions locally, uh, with the, um, in addition to that, another great error is that we didn't evangelize them effectively. We didn't bring them to the truth of the true God and Jesus Christ. Okay, so yeah, we were at fault. But not just in the civil and social um, realm, but in the religious realm, we should have done better to convert them um, uh, to, this, to the God we both share as children of God, natural children of God. Oh, for sure. And there's a lot of lessons that we can learn, too, in, in the church. But uh, you know, back to your, you know, just even the point of um, a lot of lies and falsehoods, in, especially in the media, to... Uh, portray the Catholic Church as, as something that, that it's not, right? And again, going back to, you know, the kind of these uh, these terms, like I said, colonialization or, you know, something like that, that, that people are always uh, look at negatively for, for the most part, and then tying that into Catholicism and saying, well, you know, this religion was, was forced on these, these folks, right? And, and therefore, you know, uh, you know, is not legitimate and should be canceled. Uh, where uh, I think there is that, that confusion uh, deliberate confusion and maybe just deliberate arrogance and ignorance of, of history uh, when that's really not the case at all. People, well, Marxism, Marxism was forced on a lot more people oh, in the last century yeah. with uh, many, many more deaths by the tens of millions. And these same people, why aren't they concerned about that? 
by the way, in Australia, what I note that some of the big, biggest critics of, of you know, European settlement of Australia happen to work in European parliaments in Australia, getting very well paid. And if, if we talk about invasion, okay, if colonization is equivalent to an invasion, and then there's some of these people who are in this country are the are the con I hear because of the consequences of this invasion. And, and if they're consistent to their outspoken statements, then they should leave Australia. They should leave Canada. They should go back to their countries of origin if they're really so hostile to European colonization and bringing of European traditions into these lands. Uh, they, you know, and I'm a big supporter of indigenous people. I, I, I'm supremely hostile to racism and all its forms, being a victim of it myself 50 years ago. Right. Um, you know, but we don't help the situation by continuing to stoke division. Where there's division, and it's not just between races, but between men and women, all this ideological talk in a feminist revolution, wherever we see this division, that's a clear fingerprint of the devil in society, dividing humanity. Absolutely. And, you know, up here in Canada, what a lot what, what the media will never say this and, you know, the mainstream would never touch this, but over 30 percent, even up to 40 percent of our First Nations people identify as Catholic. They're a part of our family. They've uh, they've been evangelized and, and they believe the gospel. It's beautiful. There's some amazing pilgrimages that, that happen here uh, and even in even right in Alberta, not very far from us. And uh, it goes to show the, the universality of our faith. And, uh, and um, I think a lot of those voices um, in particular are being silenced right now because they don't fit the narrative. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's right. a, a great tragedy as well. And I've met many good Catholic Aborigines in this country. I remember when I went to the northern New South Wales a couple of years ago, we were given a guided tour of some of the sites where massacres took place, terrible events. But the, the guide was a wonderful Catholic woman who, whose rhetoric was not hostile and divisive, but conciliatory. Right. And she's one of our sisters in Christ. And that, I was yes. very, very impressed by that. Yeah, that's that's so good. Um, I wanted you to tell this story because I think it's great and it, and it ties into uh, what we mentioned before. We hear about accompanying it all the time. You know, we, let's journey with others, journey with the, the sinner, where they're at, kind of leaving them where they're at, not really not bringing them out. And that's even just in our own church, our own rank and file Catholic brothers and sisters. We're really not raising them up to uh, levels of, of holiness that we're, we're called to. And, and uh, starting with us, too. I mean, not, not that we're all perfect or anything like that, but it certainly is um, our mission as all of us Catholics to, to raise each other up in, in holiness and to walk to uh, to heaven together. Um, St. Vincent Ferrer uh, was not shy about evangelizing Muslims the Jewish people, and I want to go back to being raised from the dead. There was quite an, a fascinating uh, account that was uh, witnessed by thousands of people in a large church, I believe, uh, with, right. a, with a Jewish man. Do you want to just tell that story, um, uh, Robert, if you yeah. recall that one? That, I thought uh, that was fascinating. It was a fellow named Abraham. Now, it's an, yeah. uh, Vincent was preaching in this church. Uh, it was a huge crowd, uh, and one, and of course he was preaching... Uh, probably against the, it was an apologetical sermon rebutting Jewish denials of Jesus Christ. And one fellow in the congregation, a rich Jewish man, 
uh, named Abraham uh, got up in anger, in protest and stormed out of the church. And as he was leaving, the porch structure above him happened to just collapse at that moment and crushed him, crushed him to death. But then St. Vincent got up and went to where the body was, knelt down in prayer, and uh, Abraham was resurrected or resuscitated. That's the technical term. Resurrection is a technical term relating to Christ rising from the dead and our rising from the dead at the end of the world. But this man was dead and brought back to life through the intercessory prayer of St. Vincent Ferrer. And Abraham then uttered the words, the religion of the Jews is not the true faith. The true faith is that of the Christians. So that's what we have in the recorded history uh, of, of this particular miracle. He's, what can we learn from St. Vincent Ferrer today? To preach repentance, one, two, the, his model of public missionary activity to all and sundry. Three, preaching a healthy fear of the Lord. Four, preaching conversion, penance and judgment without embarrassment. Repent and believe in the gospel. Five, preaching eternal destiny, the reality of heaven and hell. Six, preaching to convert non-Catholics to the fullness of the truth of Catholicism. Seven, the apologetical miracles to counter. Uh, the apologetical miracles. These are miracles that prove God's existence. And this is to counter modern day atheism, new atheism. Preaching against ecclesiastical corruption and preaching and exorcisms against the devil and raising people from the dead testifies to the resurrection and life everlasting and is an apologetic against the hopelessness of the new atheism. So that's why St. Vincent Ferrer is desperately important for today and the church of today. Sounds great, Robert. I appreciate you taking the time for us and what a, what a great way to attend. I hope you'll come join us again someday. It was awesome talking to you. Where do people get a hold of you if they'd like to find out more about your ministry? Uh, well, they can go to Robert Haddad, Catholic Apologist on YouTube. You can send me an email. I always respond to the emails. Um, that, that's basically my main social media outlet. I'm not too much into social media. I think it can become a bit of a distraction. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll respond to anyone who goes, visits my YouTube channel and, and drops me an email. Awesome, Robert. Thanks so much for your time. God bless you, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Yeah, and keep up the great work, David. God bless you too. Well, a big thanks again to Dr. Robert Haddad for joining us on this episode of the podcast, and I highly recommend you go to his YouTube channel. So much great content there. You're going to learn a lot about your faith, and I uh, really appreciate uh, Robert joining us all the way from Australia. That was uh, real exciting, and uh, all the best, and we'll be definitely praying for all of our brothers and sisters in Australia and uh, all the, the countries and all the places in the world that are really under some oppression right now because of the situation in the world with this uh, crazy virus. Uh, what else do you say? But it's so important that we live a sacramental life. And the Eucharist, like I said at the top of the podcast, that is what we're here for. The source and the summit of the Christian life is the Eucharist. And, uh, you know, I'm just so excited about this time because I think God is calling us as Catholics and other Christians and other people of goodwill to be real lights of leadership in this world, in this hurting world. And it's, uh, it's not going to be an easy time, but we need to journey together. And as St. Paul says, to bear one another's burdens and uh, don't just sit around and do nothing. St. Vincent Ferrer, he never stood around and did nothing. He never, 
he would go and meet people where they were at, but he'd also, and he would accompany them, but he would never leave them where they were at, just like we discussed in our conversation with Robert. Never leave people where they're at in their sin. Take them out of their vice, lead them to virtue, and lead them to the cross of Jesus Christ. A reminder to everyone that we're on Facebook and Twitter. Drop me a line anytime. Love hearing from you. And uh, subscribe and like as you see fit. And uh, just appreciate all the feedback and uh, communication I've been having with so many of you. Like I said, we've just went through our 50th episode. And uh, it's just been such an exciting journey to take with all of you. So thank you again. And Catholics, you know what we've got to do in order to be that true light of Jesus Christ in this hurting world. We need to live a sacramental life all the time. Not just once in a while every day and the fastest way we can get there is by going to confession often at least three times every year every advent every lent and any time you're in a state of mortal sin don't even spend a second of your life there thanks for listening to the podcast everyone god bless you we'll chat with you very soon